G'day and welcome to the Pod Pod. It's your boy Dossie back on this Monday night, February 20th, 2023. The pipes are back. They're going all right. Not No longer rusty Dossie. He's back, hopefully, for the full episode. But on this episode, we have our regular beloved fossil, five-time top 100 finisher, the Statesman, doing a full team reveal. Let's introduce the great man first, Stato. Why are you willing to let go of these uh, trade secrets? Is it because you need some advice from the crew here to really upgrade <laughs> that team of yours? Uh, no, not exactly. But uh, this is the the time of year where um, we basically should have a, a good idea with our structure. Who completes in that structure um, is a question mark. As we know, the the rookies probably determine the last bit of that, but. Um, look, most of our homework's done now, um, and it's uh, the old theory where don't get sucked in too much of the practice games because your your guns aren't probably giving it 100%, um, but it should confirm roles for us. So um, we'll go through the, the squad as it stands, noting it will change, um, but I'll give a little secret of how uh, I select some of the players. So we'll actually talk about the data I work through, which is... Um, some information that you gents actually help provide. Beautiful. Can't wait for that, Stato. And uh, actually, we've got the full deck on board today and introducing this, the uh, father for the second time. We've got Papa Holmes back on deck. Congratulations, mate, and uh, welcome Yay. back. Yeah, thanks, boys. It's uh, It's been a bit of a whirlwind two weeks having our, our second child and little bit of a, a fun fact you can probably start to introduce me as dr holmes from now on uh uh dossie boy because i uh, didn't end up making it to the hospital and had to deliver my own child at home so that was definitely an experience no worries midwife Holmes recommended uh, in the building here <laughs> uh, recommend it mate would not recommend stata but to be honest i wouldn't recommend you having a child at your age anyway mate i think you're a bit past yeah it. that's fair <laughs> cool fair <laughs> cool fair cool Better for the community. <laughs> no, but that's an unreal uh, story, uh, Holmesy. So maybe another time, mate. But um, yeah, unbelievable scenes. Midwife Dr. Holmesy to the rescue. Uh, let's also introduce Louie on deck again. And um, the other thing that we're going to be doing this episode is just going through a few of the intra club notes across the weekend. Um, and Louie was privileged enough to go see his, his beloved Port Power uh, last Friday night. How'd that go, mate? Yeah, it was good, mate. Um, they always put on a pretty good show every single year. So, um, only being around the corner, I thought I'd head down and have a look, which we'll go into a little bit later. And um, yeah, I'm keen to unpack Stato's fantasy side here and a little bit overwhelmed with some of the talent that we've got on this podcast tonight. I know. So, to introduce our- we just- couldn't get rid of him after his. He's putting up some big points, quality numbers this preseason. Yeah. Uh, Harmy is back on deck to help with this one as well, and I think Stato kind of just let us know he really wanted him on here as well to to help build that team out with his credentials. The two time top ten finisher as well as Holmesy and Harmy. Bit of a tongue twister there. Both guys two time top ten finishers. But welcome back to the show, Harmy. Thanks, Dossie. Yep, glad to be here, and thanks for the invite to pick holes in Stato's lineup. Can't wait. Oh, there's plenty. There's plenty. It's going to be good. But first of all, we are going to get into those intra-club notes in a minute. But to to remind you, as always, this episode of the Pod Pod's brought to you by the Keeper League Pod. Head over to keeperleaguepod.com.au. Get all your resources for your upcoming classic fantasy season from there and use the code PODPOD at sign up to get 20% off. Support them because they support us. And also head to, if you're in Adelaide, head to the highway um, this Saturday, Feb 25th, because uh, the Keeper League are going to be on before the traders. And that may involve, well, it will involve a couple of members right here on the pod pod. Louie and I are going to be involved in a bit of the pre-show there. So head on down, get your tickets, and hopefully we'll see you for a couple of beers at the highway. Um, You guys can can shout us a couple of beers, I reckon. No, 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 just just, just kidding. Uh, Louie, Louie, Louie will get you some. Um, Let's get into some notes here. From Louis, do you want to go through your Port Adelaide trial notes first, and then we're going to look through some other intra club headlines from across the across the Twitter sphere from uh, to look at some people that you know have been rising in the public eye. Yeah, no worries, mate. And notes probably isn't really the right word. I've literally just jotted down a couple of words for each, just because 
Um, this time of year is still about practice, and I'm sure we'll go into it a little bit later in the podcast, but um, the unofficial and the official practice games are still to come, so we can probably start reading more into it then, but uh, it's still a good time to, to take down some notes and just maybe observe some trends that you can look for uh, in the coming weeks, which is always nice, but... Uh, to kick things off, first of all, uh, Butters was probably the most requested player for me to talk about on the tweet that I sent out on Friday morning, uh, and unfortunately, he didn't play, so he's dealing with a bruised AC joint, um, just a stinger. It was a 50-50 to play on Friday, and they've clearly just opted to to protect him, which you can't blame, so... Um, can't talk much about him and um, to a certain respect he's probably affected that midfield mix too so maybe we can't read as much into that as what we may have previously but uh, moving on the wings were Dersma and Bergman Uh, they looked great I think if you were keen on Dersma um, in classic and certainly as a late draft flyer that he might be one to look for because he looked really good there back to his uh, I call it his best but it was probably his first and second season where he put up that sort of 75 average and I think he's certainly capable of doing that again uh, Ollie Wines is an interesting one and if he didn't have an affected preseason with injury he's probably someone we'd have right at the top of our lists in terms of starting Um he only rejoined the main training last week, uh, did play in the intra-club game, and, and he looked like a bloke who hasn't really done a preseason. So just a little bit underdone. Um, I wouldn't call it proppy, but just wasn't quite up to the pace of it yet. So he's going to take a couple more weeks and, look, may hit the ground running, but um, I, I think he's probably one that you really need to... Uh, start thinking critically about uh Bryn Tickle was the sort of the it guy on Friday when he was named in the ones for the port side versus Scotty Lysette in the twos um personally I think that was more about um getting minutes into Scotty Lysette and him actually playing uh for a team that's maybe not going to be front running as much and working a little bit harder and uh I'll tell you what Scott Scotty Lysette made Brintekel look second rate, and I think um, really exposed Brintekel for the depth that he's probably going to be this season. So I wouldn't be getting too excited about him. Uh, but touching on Scott Lysette, uh, if you were keen before, there's no reason not to be keen now. Uh, look, looked re- look honestly looked really good, but um, just have to take it with that grain of salt that he is playing against a, a guy called Brintekel and Sam Hayes, who have just played such little AFL football that. Um, it would be easy to throw your body around, especially with a kick up the bum in the twos. Hummy? Louis, just a question on that. So, um, using Lysette uh, as an example, did he chop out with anybody or did they just try and ruck through? Like, did you have um, Charlie Dixon or anybody come and help out at times? No, he was pretty much rucking through the whole time, Harmy. And uh, I think part of that is, like I said, he has been a little bit... Um, underdone in the preseason even though he's done most of it I think um, a lot of it was about sort of preparing him for the season proper and um, it probably was uh, something that they hadn't prepared for either because obviously Finlayson went down a couple of weeks ago which they wouldn't have thought would uh, transpire so uh, maybe just like we said a little bit of extra practice to just really see how he's going in there um, and of course, he, he was playing Tickle and Hayes, which is probably going to be um, more of a replica of what he's going to come up against in the AFL as, as AFL teams sort of switch to that two-ruck system that we've seen in the last few years. Um, Lockie Jones was an interesting one. He looked pretty good, uh, but the reason I've written him down is he actually had CBAs, so that might be one to watch. I don't think they're going to be significant enough to, uh, to pick in classic, but certainly worth noting nonetheless. Uh, a relevant one in classic, though, might be Jake Pacini. So he's done, I think, maybe two ACLs or just the one, but he's he's quite young. Uh, he's about 22. He's been on the list for a couple of years. Originally was a rookie pick. Uh, he's been coming along really nicely. Um, they Clearly, he's still on the list. They rate him, uh, played in the internal trial, and honestly looked really good and might be an outside chance for round one, if not will debut in 2023. So as a basement defender, he might be someone that we can look to as we uh, sort of see a bit of an empty cupboard there, but yeah, one to keep an eye on. Louis, just one other that, um, I mean, I only 
I didn't catch much footy at all, but I saw 10 minutes of the first quarter of this game. The live stream um, was actually, the recording was quite good. But I think it was the second or the third CBA of the game, and it was a clear, like, number one team and number two team. And the ball went down to Jason Horn francis and he looks straight up at Rosie, who's standing by himself, dummies to him, wheels around on the arc, and just pumps it inside the forward 50. I thought he's not short on confidence. How'd he go the rest of the game? Yeah, sorry, I, I, he was on my list. So I, for some reason, I just skipped over him. Uh, look, he was good, Army. Uh, it's the first time that I've seen him live, of course, and um, he got a lot of midfield clock, didn't get a lot of football, but what he did do with it um, was generally pretty good. So um, almost like your typical sort of draftee where in spurts they were very good and showed a bit of an impact, but uh, did fall out of the game. So... Look, based on that performance, and I was watching him pretty closely in particular, I probably would be fading him in classic formats, but uh, it, it's a really difficult game to get a read on and it's something that we'll have to keep an eye on in the next two weeks. But, um, yeah, I, I think Jason Horn francis uh, role might be a little bit up in the air. Moving around the grounds to some of the other intra-club games going around and, and let's just sort of break these up into your rookies, mid-prices and premium and some of the news coming out of there. I guess the first one, Holmesy, would be just that there is seemingly a, a bunch of rookies putting up their hands to to be considered for selection. You had guys like Will Phillips, Harry Sheasel apparently doing all right, Gimby, Chesser at West Coast, Will Ashcroft obviously looking like a no-brainer, Philippou, Cal McKenzie at... Um, at Hawthorne and then Luke Peddler at Adelaide. So seems like those popular rookie options all kind of put their hands up again on the weekend. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's definitely starting to sound like we might have a few rookies come through, which is good. We always get to this point of the season and we you know start to worry a little bit about whether they're going to come through. But I suppose the main thing is to just until we see these real practice games and, and real preseason games, just take it with a little bit of a grain of salt at the moment. Uh, we know that at this time of year, the main role of the clubs is to really pump up their lists and, and sell hope to their members. And, and how do you do that? You pump up the rookies to make it seem like they've done a good job with recruiting. So, yeah, positive signs, but just reserve judgment until we start to see it in more um, intense practice games, which will be coming in the next two weeks. All right, and uh, on to the mid-prices. Harmy, let's ask you a few questions. Maybe we'll just take it turn by turn here. Josh Ward apparently had a big game for Hawthorne at that mid-price bracket. Any interest from you, Josh Ward? Yeah, well, as Holmes, you said, the, the clubs are doing their best as a PR stunt at the moment to talk up their junior players. And I think that with the Hawks, they've got McKenzie and they've got uh, Weddle probably to a slightly lesser extent. But Josh Ward was the man they interviewed. I actually um, I listened to that and he spoke quite well, but they reckon he was everywhere. How much you can read into that, I'm not too sure. Priced at just over 70, though. Um, I'm not sure whether he's a starter in Classic, but if you don't start with him and then he puts up a couple of hundreds in the first two rounds and he may be that one we jump on. Yeah, I'd just like to say I want to put my eggs in the Josh Ward basket. Um, I think pre-season there was, a, there was one where we had to do our you know, our favourite calls for the season. I jumped on Jai Newcomb because I was too embarrassed by you guys paying me out for Josh Ward. Um, I like both the guys, but I, I'm big on Josh Ward at the moment and I, I really think that he's now locked into the Lux winning squad. Um, junior numbers off the charts, a guy that's going to go in there and get all the centre bounces in the world. Came back in the back half of last year, already gone plus 16 on his average and he's had another preseason under his belt. I'm pretty big on Josh Ward probably being the next... Um, the next Jack McRae, the next Chad Wingard, the next uh, Clayton Oliver, second year monster breakout. Watch this space. Stato's shaking his head. I don't give a stuff, Stato. I don't give a stuff. He, let's see him. You adjust him in your team soon enough by the end of preseason. Moving on to the next play for you, Stato. Uh, ben Cunnington. Got three snags, bit of mid-time, a fair bit of mid-time. I think over 50% is what the uh, track watchers were saying. Any interest as a forward option for us? But first and foremost, let's just say great to see him um, back out on the field, healthy and playing footy. But um, from a fantasy perspective, Stato, any interest? Yeah, of course there's some interest. Um, When we go through the team, we'll we'll get to that forward line. I I think there's some real high quality in there. Um, Cunnington is about the 550 mark, is that correct? I'm yeah, yeah, he's in that range. Cool. 
Um, which is just a really interesting um, price. Um, Six sixty eight. I want to see what the mix is. Price Six sixty eight. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, oh, wow. that's probably a bit more expensive than I was hoping for, but um, certainly I'm really interested to see the practice games of what's happening in North Midfield mix. Look, from a from a seventy five price tag, you really need him to be going upwards of 90 to be a, a value good pick and to push the top six. And he's done that twice in his career and he's going to be playing in the worst worst team he's ever been playing in his career. And you'd think now with Simpkin and LDU being the big mid-minutes guys, I think he's going to be that more 50% CBA guy rotating forward. So it's a, it's a big no for me, unfortunately. It's a watch for me. We need to remember the competition that he was playing against on the weekend, though, if that's the uh, Wooden Spoons reserve team. Yep. Very true. It's a fair call. Uh, Miller has played a pre-season game is the note we've got here. So he's got through unscathed. Uh, Louis, you've mentioned his name a few times here. Now, he's a forward-eligible player. Obviously, we, we had him as, our, as a mid-price or even cheaper than that defender last year, but now there's some interest with him again actually playing in that halfback role but available as a forward. Could you go there? Look, I think you can, Doss. The difference being um, that this guy's actually had a full preseason, which he didn't have last year, and he's had a full preseason training with the halfback group, which is, uh, which is where he sort of got his start and where he became this... Um, I guess fantasy relevant player that coaches liked because he, he looked like he was going to be able to push those numbers and break out. And then uh, obviously fitness sort of hampered that, came back last year and uh, we know how that went. But uh, I think if he's got that um, distributing role off of halfback, which he appeared to have in just a practice game uh, during the week, if that has any semblance of sort of looking like it might be real, um, in the next couple of weeks, and I think he's someone we have to highly consider. Uh, we know he can be an 85-plus guy uh, in the role, um, and we only need him to fire off at 85 for just a couple of weeks to uh, to be a worthwhile pick. So he's someone that I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, he's by no means someone I want to pick, I'll be honest, but um, if, if the things stack up, then I think he could be uh, pretty relevant for us in 2023. Elliot Yo. Uh, apparently had a big game in the practice match as well. Kyle, is this now just a no-brainer? Yeah, I really like this one, Dossie. Uh, I don't like that line, but the the one thing I do, like, don't <laughs> don't get me wrong, he's locked in my side. Absolutely, I think he's a no-brainer at this at this time of the preseason because he's got through unscathed, and all of the word coming out of the Eagles is that he's back to his best, and he's you know he's. He's getting that inside midfield role and, and looking really good. I, I do just worry that, you know, there might be a little bit of management throughout the season and, and that's not necessarily him missing games, but it might be a little bit of, you know, in-game management where he goes back to the, the back line just to just to make sure that they can get 22 games out of him because I think that's going to be their main main goal for the season. We know he can score well off the half back, and if he's getting midfield minutes, then he's, he's going to be a very good scorer for us. But that's the only thing I kind of worry about, Harmy. Yeah, I think that with these sorts of games, I think that there are some things we can take out of it. Um, And these guys that are just ticking another box as they work their way to round one is a good example. Yo, he's been injury-plagued, but he seems to be putting in a solid body of work here at the moment. Um, And you've got to think positively about that. You compare that against Salem, who's now not in full training um, and um, sitting out sessions with um, the thyroid thing. So there's a good contrast there of one you're getting more keen on and one you're probably taking off your list now. I've I've just got one question for Doss. Um, When are we going to make the call that we're not drafting five players, we're actually only drafting four players? What's this? God, Doss, slow on the uptake, buddy. Uh, so there's five of us here, um, all high quality with exception <coughs> to yourself, um, and we've got a 20-team league uh, actually happening. So I think we should be putting a bit of a call out to see which of the listeners would like to get drafted by Harmy. For, for Christ's sake, I feel sorry for the fifth person you draft. Well, yes. We so for the, those not aware, we are doing a listener league draft, and and we're doing it in a different way. We're going to be drafting. I believe next week is is the deadline. I mean, 
um, yeah, the the final week of Feb this week coming. So we're looking at drafting. Uh, that was when the deadline we put out there. But we're doing a unique draft where listeners, you can you can pitch your pitch as to who you want to represent out of these our four hosts. But we do have our our um, emergency here as well, the Subvest Harmy. He's killing it, mate. Put I'm, him in. I'm willing to pop out. You know, maybe we spot. Maybe we open up one slot at the sacrifice of Stato, seeing as he's very. Um, oh. very <laughs> I don't think you're taking into account the 2023 results there, Stato. So I've got to take a step back there with Dossie taking it out. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, if we do get, if you do want to um, apply for Har- to be drafted by Harmy, we might. Um, I might draft in Harmy's honour next week. Um, no. If- if if we're willing to look, if we get enough, if we get enough people going for it, um, then Harmy can maybe uh, yeah, jump on for one team. I'm giving him a this, pat on the back. I miss this ad read in between Yo CBAs and and Finn Callahan. <laughs> 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 really on track here, guys. <laughs> Finn Callahan is the next player we're going to be talking about. Um, as you just alluded to, Louis, do you want to talk about him? Um. Three games last year at VFL level before getting called up. He averaged 103 points playing more as that inside midfielder. And then he's now getting CBAs entering his second year. Do you reckon there's some upside here? He's only in the 400K bracket. He's a guy, you know, maybe with Tanner Brewing leaving as well, who had 25% CBAs for them last year. He could be a player that maybe jumps up. There's, there is upside here, Doss. And look, speaking pre-show with you guys, GWS have held their cards pretty close to their chest. But when they have spoken about Finn Callahan, they've uh, they've been overwhelmingly positive, and it sounds like he's going to have some sort of role in that midfield at times. Uh, so the CBA usage should be pretty decent for. I think he's a second-year player, um, so. Uh, yes, the upside's there, but you'd really want to see it uh, in the season proper, not even just the practice games to start him, in my opinion. They had some injuries to start last year, but we've picked up a couple here. Callahan's one and Josh Ward's another, where high draft picks, I think Callahan was three, um, and they had good good um, junior scoring numbers as well. So Ward was over 100 in the NAB League. Callahan was about 90 in the NAB League, so he may be a bit more of an outside player, but I think the potential's there. Yeah, and unfortunately for these players, they are mid-only. You know, when we've had our Clayton Olivers and Tarantos in the past that have really broken out in their second year, they've had forward status and and started from that sort of 60 price range. So that's what makes it a little bit more difficult, albeit I think Callahan's priced around the 40, so he's he's coming from a bit of a lower base. Okay, last couple of players in this mid-price bracket. Tom Powell getting CBAs and Constable at halfback. Take us through uh, Tom Powell, Kyle, and whether you, you know, a lot of um, buzz coming around for Tom Powell all of a sudden after a pretty disappointing second year last year, almost the forgotten man at North and now coming into his third year looking a million bucks. Yeah, once again, Dossie, um, high draft pick, was very good in his first season, um, kind of lost his way in the team a little bit last year, role-wise and whatnot, but um at his price point and being a mid-only, you really need him to go that sort of 85-plus, even 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 higher. And I can't really see that happening with LDU, uh, Simpkin, Cunnington, all all around the mark in that midfield. I think there's, as as much as it pains me to say, too much competition for ball even, and, and North Melbourne aren't going to be that high-scoring fantasy team, at least at this point in time. So he's not someone I'm looking to, to start anyway. As much as North Melbourne suck too, I think they've probably got some of the best midfield depth, certainly young midfield depth coming through in the comp, to be honest. So um, he's always going to have that competition for spots. Not saying he can't get there, but um, there might be a heavier rotation than we think. Harmy, what about uh, Charlie Constable, um, who is a bit of my boy there? Um, You know, 193 centimetres, I think Stato said pre-show, playing a bit of that defensive role and confirmed in the uh, intra-club game the other day. Look, I think I'm going to need to see it, Um, Dossie. I'm not a believer at this point in time, I'm afraid, because if Stuart Jew really wanted to play him, he would have got a bit of a run last year. They had some injuries last year, still couldn't get in there. Um, played the season in the VFL. They've now tried to recycle him as, as a back. I'm just not convinced at this point in time, but at 330000 um, as a defender, I think we'll certainly give it a look um, over the next few weeks and see how it plays out. I mean, we're talking about a guy that 
could find the ball in the midfield there when he got an opportunity at Geelong. So there's potential there. You know, he's got a bit of scoring about him, but I need to see it. Yeah, we know Stato's going to pick him, though, in Supercoach's basement price, so he's good good to go in Supercoach. That's for sure. And uh, another player around his price, Tom Cole, had a big game. Louis, you were pretty keen on him uh, over a couple of vodka soda limes with your boy Dossie on the weekend. Any thoughts on Tom Cole now that you've sobered up? Nah, well, yeah, now that I've sobered up, I think that's a shocking call, Dossie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Clearly, I was only looking at that mark category when you uh, dropped that one about nine vodka sodas deep. But um, no, <laughs> I would be very surprised if he's going to be relevant for us, mate. So I'll just let you you pick him and you can uh, drive away in your lucks with him. Thanks, mate. Uh, look, we're going to touch on four premium players. Then it is time for the big team reveal from the Statesman. Uh, took Miller, a bit of hamstring tightness concerned, Louis? Oh, not really. Um, but at his price, uh, if you were going to start him, then it's probably enough to to send you in the other direction. Just because it's a it's a large investment on one player who may or might not be dealing with some hamstring issues. Caleb Daniel entering the centre bounce mix. Is this just uh, another pre-season showing, Kyle, or are you convinced that maybe there's some points on offer uh, down back and and maybe some concern with McRae and Bond playing half forward? Uh, Dossie, I think this is a, a classic preseason hype where, you know, in your intra-club matches, you've got two sets of midfielders and and they're just trying a few different things just to see where he fits. I know Bailey Dale's their sort of main guy back there and, and you know, Ed Richards came into his own last year. So maybe maybe they seem like they want to play him around a little bit, but, you know, priced at 84, you'd need him to go 95 plus and be a top six defender from that price point and, I think with McRae, Bont, Baz, Libba, all those players in the midfield, even if he does get a run through there at sort of M4, M5, it's going to be pretty tough for him to put up those kind of numbers. So, Holmesy, you're saying you haven't gone cold on McRae and Bont because they're forwards now? Oh, yeah. Can't wait for them to be getting forward status in round six. They're going to be absolute locks. No, but it is it is important to remember, and as I said at the top of the show, it, it's training, it's practice at this point, and uh, there's no point sort of putting Caleb Daniel in for 15% CBAs um, just because he's going to do that in the real stuff. You may as well go to your, your bona fide mids who have been in that role for years and years and years and know exactly what they're doing. You may as well um, park them, put in a Caleb Daniel 100% of the time so he can sort of apply his craft and, and show what he's got. And then once the real stuff starts, obviously reverts back to the norm to some extent. So um, that's why it's tough to read into these things at this point. And hopefully we get a better read on it uh, in probably two weeks' time at the official practice game. But knowing Bevo, we might be staring down to Caleb Daniel, buddy, 90% CBA. <laughs> Well, moving on to... Oh, and by the way, sorry, Doss, it took a ruck contest too in that pitch <laughs> one. Of course. Looking at um, one of my favourite players this preseason in my keeper league, he's going to be in our teams for many years to come. He's already in a crap load of teams as we speak. But Nick Dacos, um, we saw the tweets going out from... From Jen, the beloved uh, Collingwood fan that we should all be following on Twitter, 174,000 tweets. Uh, she's done, I reckon, about 170 plus on Collingwood. So you can guarantee that she's out on the track watching what's happening. Mentioned that uh, Nick Dacos was out just about every centre bounce on the weekend and was just dominant. Harmy, is he an absolute lock for us now with this added news that he could be in that midfield mix and probably likely will be? I wouldn't say absolute lock there, Dossie. I mean, I am keen on him. Um, he's a great player, and he does the flashy stuff, but he does the hard stuff too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether um, there's room for him at the moment in that Pies midfield, but maybe he is, and maybe Pendles and Crisper, the ones that go out. But I think that his scoring will be um, probably as good in the midfield as it was on the back flank. So um, I think... Uh, he's probably not going to go down from the 86 points that he's priced at. Absolute lock. You heard it from Harmy first. Uh, Who wants to talk about Dunkley midfield? Somebody's put here. Um, yeah, that's a course. Who, who wants to talk about that? Who's put the dot point there? Dunkley midfield. Louis, I reckon that was you. 
No, I put that one there, Dossie. Look, it was just Harmony. because he's he's come through. I mean, he's doing what we thought he was going to do um, up there. They've recruited him as a midfielder. It seems to be what he's going to do. Um, and I think that there's, there is upside from his um, position and he's at F1 that we, we all expect him to be. Breaking news, Dunkley midfield. Thanks, Harmy. Uh, maybe we won't. We'll take that team off you next week, I think, mate. Um, Stato, <laughs> it's time to get into. <laughs> I, I want to bring back your music, your theme song from last year, The Sugar Hit, because we hope you get plenty of sugar hits this fantasy season with your beloved squad. What do you get when you're slow and old? You big bad players, ignore advice you've been told. Unfortunate, his best lies in the but Stato says you can kiss my ass. I will go play Super Coach. Here is Stato. I can't be bothered. Here's Stato's team reveal. Stato, it's the team reveal. The listeners have been waiting for it. Get into it. Where do you want to start? Are we going defender right through just the standard reveal here? Yeah, certainly will. And uh, thanks very much. I'm hoping for some sugar and I'll, I'll explain how I'm trying to get some sugar. Um, so, firstly, there's a there's a fair bit of uh, homework put into who ends up in my team. Of course, this is the team prior to the actual real practice games. As we talk about, I don't go overboard with club v club because you got uh, you need two sets of midfield. So, who's actually getting the time in the real stuff is actually more important. So. Uh, I'll take it through. This is how uh, I work my spreadsheet when I'm trying to uh, finalise who my squad is. For for each line, I actually go through uh, the rankings. And this is not just Stato's rankings. This is as many rankings as I can um, put together. So high-quality people like Selby. So his rankings for, for each of the lines I include. Of course, uh, because we do a fair bit of work in the draft kit, and we update these rankings regularly, uh, depending on the news. Um, but so all the draft doctor boys are there. There's probably only one group I avoid from here, and that's putting the keeper league stuff in, only because it actually has a bit of a slant uh, towards the younger players. Um, so it can actually take away from what's it actually going to be this. Uh, that season. So that actually gives me an average ranking. So for example, I'll use, um, uh, where's a good one, uh, Brayshaw. Uh, so Brayshaw, um, right across the board, is average ranking of 5.6. So then I put it in a column. I, I then go on the last three years of average points for position. So average points for, for position um, for a D1 is generally 108, for example, uh, and a D25 is, you know, 84 points. Does that make sense? And then you effectively put next to their price uh, against the points they're allocated to in the, the general ranking, and then that gives them a value. Now, the value is based on the magic number. So we all know the magic number this year is around the 8,850. Um, so then I'm looking just at the, the top um, rankings of each line. So the top 20 in forward defence, the top 12 uh, in the rucks, and I go a little bit deeper in the midfield is about the top 40. And then it actually gives me who the best value players are if they achieve the combined ranking model. Does that make sense to everyone? Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So essentially you're correlating Nerd. a bunch of people who are doing their own research as well. Um, Correct. Getting what their average rank is, um, yep. seeing where that sits um, amongst, uh, so, you know, your rucks, for example, 1 to 25, Correct. where they sit with that what those rucks have scored in the previous three years and where they would be ranked um, Correct. going into 2023. And that, that basically gives them a, um, a magic number value. Um, so I'll go through the first line, I'll explain the structure, and once we've complete the line, I'll let you bag the living shit out of it, and then I'll refer back to my value list, if that makes sense. Can so, I just quickly uh, ask that, you know, obviously, Stato, yeah. we do pay out your... Um, 
your game these days after a couple of couple of hey, days. But you've had you've fun. had many you've had much success <laughs> in the past. I just want to know, do, you know, Harmy and Holmesy, and even Louis yourself as well. Like you guys have had great success in the game. Is without explaining your particulars around your strategy, is this the level of detail you go to with, you know, like a spreadsheet or whatever your method is? Is this what I have to be doing to get up to the top? Holmesy, you go first, mate. I just want a quick roundtable. Is this the level? Uh, nah, well, not for me. I haven't really gone into that much depth with spreadsheets and stuff, but I guarantee I'm, I'm putting in more time than Stato is in terms of um, researching players and going back and looking at past data and, and projecting and things like that. So probably doing a lot of the same things, um, but just not collating it to the level that Stato is. But you, you have to put the time in. That's It's a no-brainer where we're coming up against a lot of savvy fantasy coaches these days that are putting in a lot of time and um, you are going to have to find an edge somehow and, and this is how it's done. How's that, Holmes? He sneaks in that he's uh, he's put in more time than Stato. I did notice that just then. Just uh, the yeah, well, he, has a, he, has a, he has a real job. Back, but who knew? He lets us know every day that he has <laughs> yeah. a real job. So. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a few sleepless nights. It's easier to hop on footy wire, isn't it? <laughs> what about you, Harvey? Oh, look, I really like that. Um, thanks, Stato. Uh, I guess I do a bit of a range of things, but I, and I probably don't go to the level of detail that Stato has. But in a very simplified manner, I write down what people are priced at and I write down what I think they can go at and it's arriving at a similar kind of model to what Stato's outlined. Um, and I do look at what other people um, say by way of rankings and I haven't got the um, Draft Doctors kit yet but I do need to for that purpose um, to have a look at whether other guys have, have ranked certain players and um, yeah, validate my thinking or force me to look at um, a few other people that I haven't checked out um, properly yet. And, and what it effectively does, DOS, is it takes away the individual bias because we all fall into that trap and we all have our own bias. So this system, and sometimes it, it creates people popping in front of me that I wouldn't have seriously considered and therefore I can go away and actually start doing Harmsy's, um, Holmesy's additional research. <laughs> yeah. And Louis, I know you spend hours and hours um, with your prep, as we saw even last year, you had your entire list of a document ready to go as to who you were going to be picking this year. Yeah, and that's part of it, Dossie. So, it's it's easy to forget. And uh, I just like at the end of the year to jot down a couple of names um, while the fantasy app's still there uh, and just... Uh, identify some blokes that are going to be value for me and that really helps with sort of creating a skeleton team straight away uh, with some players that I can really see myself starting with and then from there it's about building on top of that and that comes from a mixture of research, gut feel which you can never quantify, uh, articles, it, it really is just ingesting just about um, any information that I can um, but all based off of, uh, you know, the, the stats at the end of the day. And you got to look at the reasons why you think they're underpriced as well. I do similar thing to what Louis did. I had a look at the end of the season to see what's, what's occurred for some of those players and using the AFL uh, fantasy's pricing method. I mean, um, Adam Chera, I think he had a game where he got a five. I think that LDU had a game where he had 14. Darcy Paris had a game that he had 30. Like, these are just off the top of my head, players that I've looked at and thought, well, why, why are they underpriced? And there's just a good example. They're, they're baked in straight away and that's where you can get that um, sometimes guaranteed upside if you think that they're going to keep going in that same trajectory. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, but I think, yeah, at the end of the day, um, the more information that you can bring in for yourself, um, the better informed your opinions are going to be. I love it, guys. Thanks for that little round table. And sorry, sorry for rudely interrupting. We've, uh, we've had the longest teaser of all time for Stato's team. It better deliver. Go on, Stato. Yeah, so we'll go through the defence. Um, I've got three players uh, that are 625k and more expensive and then effectively five rookies at the moment. I just see currently there's going to be a host in there. Um, so at the moment I'm saving a lot of money in defence. Uh, I don't like the expensive guys right now. Um, I must admit that um, and looking for value. So uh, D1, I have Nick Dacos, uh, Hayden Young in D2 and Elliot Yo in D3. 
So then currently the five I've actually got in the rookie price is Charlie Constable. Um, just waiting to see if that's actually real or not, but there's quite a few uh, players around that 300 mark that I'm, I'm quite happy to take a little punt at. Um, I've got Reuben uh, Gibney, Darcy Wilmot, who seems to be back in favour at the moment, Campbell Chesser, who looks like he's back in favour at the moment, and Weddell, um, noting that those bottom five will change depending on what selections are. Um, but that's a defence at the moment, as you can see, saving a shitload of cash there. Uh, just quickly, Hayden Young is at D1 and Dacos is D2 based on price. Yeah, I've actually so. put um, – Dacos has got um, a higher a ranking, so I've put him as uh, the higher one. I know the price you're saying, yes. That's just a pet peeve of mine. Uh, any comments, thoughts on the defensive line, guys? Saving a fair bit of coin there. Yeah, I like the so I you like want the to theory. Hear the value. Oh, you go, Stata. Yeah, sorry, mate. Um, yeah, you can go back and have a crack at my theory. Um, so the uh, the value. Uh, Elliot Yo was at number one with a value of uh, seven thousand twenty-two. Nick Dacos at two. Hayden Young at three. So that's the reason why I've selected those three. So they've all got. Potential upside, some much greater than the others. Um, you want to hear the scary fourth one, DOS, which um, I didn't put in? Yes. You want to guess? The fourth what, sorry? Who's Ed the Richards? fourth highest value? In- yes, correct. <laughs> I was going to say Tom Cole, but... Yeah, and, and the, the first real premium that shows up is Tom Stewart. Um, I will say uh, across the board, the rankings vary for him. So from as low as four to as high as 12. So there's some great variables with Tom Stewart, and I think that probably reflects his scoring too. The ceiling's massive but can get closed down or can do a defensive role. I think you okay, get- so. Stato, um, how many of Nick Dacos, Hayden Young, and Elliot Yo are you expecting to be keepers? Is it all three, or? Yeah, it's a real question mark. They would need to show some real upside to be keepers. Um, the reality is, it's the one line where I'm not trying to confirm or bank one, two, or three. Um, which is a bit unusual for me, but I think we've got a really unusual year in the defenders. So I'm not convinced that um, um, I'm not convinced uh, that those top three guys have got upside. I was going to make right. a similar comment, I suppose, Stato. I think you're going to probably end up using a number of trades back there um, as progressively yep. over the season as you chase those premiums. Um, yeah, so it's something to bear in mind when you have um, that number of undervalued people or um, and rookies as well. Yeah, look, I really like the theory as well, Stato. It's something I've been looking to do is is really spend down in the defence because um, a lot of our top our top price defenders are what we call fairly priced or maybe even a little bit overs after having career best years, but. I still think we need to try and bank one of them and, and even if one of them doesn't, you know, necessarily present value, but if you can get one of your Docs, Dawson, Sinclairs or Brayshaws to at least hold their value and, and bank one of those keepers, I think I think that's still something we need to look at. I, As someone that was consistently chasing value last year in the defence and, and watching Doc, Dawson and Sinclair just consistently get away from me, I think... Um, a smart players to try and get one of those locked away early. But um, the theory of spending down in defence, I think, is something that's quite common and, and a good way to look at it this year. I'm hoping one of those are one of those that actually pop up. So Sinclair, you're talking previously was a 79 guy at best. Um, so I, I'm hoping that's the case. I think Dawson might have, best year, might have been 85. Um, so I'm hoping that one of those three ends up being, preferably three out of three end up being. But, yes, um, understand your point. But we'll roll back to that once we complete. Awesome. Can't wait for the next line, Stato. Let's go. 
Okay, midfield, um, spending a bit more here uh, at M1 is Jack Steele. Just get that lock away captain and with the rolling lockout, uh, St Kilda a last lot and I like the fact that Jack Steele can, you know, be my stop um, uh, and go to captain if things don't work out with a VC. Um, at M2 um, is Tom Mitchell. Um, I don't think he can get the 120s back, but I'm comfortable he's a 105 to 110. Um, uh, Tim Taranto, which might seem an unusual pick, is sitting at M3. Uh, we'll roll back on that discussion as well once we get to the forward line. Um, but obviously, new club, new role, um, just killing it at the moment is the word. But again, is that PR or is that reality? Uh, I've got LDU at M4. Uh, think good value, good upside. Obviously, need to see it come through uh, with the practice games, but really good matchups early, which is good. Um, at M5, I have Tom Green. So obviously midfield role, major upside, so see the value there. Uh, then I've got three rookies on field, Ashcroft, Cam McKenzie at this stage. I want to see how real that is. There's a fair bit of positive talk about him. And Will Phillips, of course. Um, and two just holding the pine at the moment, Johnson and Roberts, um, Frio and, and Swans, uh, good young inside mids, but I think they might be more likely downgrade targets later on in the year, but we'll wait to see where those uh, positions can get filled by. That's the midfield. What do you think Tom Green can go, Stato? He's somebody that I was actually really keen on about two months ago, and I guess I was sort of since cooled on that price point as we got closer to the season. Well, um, so I'll go to the value to, to answer that question. Uh, value number one is Tom Green. Value number two is Tom Mitchell. Value number three is LDU. Jack Steele sits at eight. The ones in between Jack Steele, there's one I'm interested in, probably the others I, I want to watch and hop on if they come true, which is Chera, Sarong, Newcomb, and the one I'm interested in, Bontempelli. Uh, and I will say Noah Anderson uh, is right behind Jack Steele. Now, Tom Green is sitting at number one value, uh, with a predicted 96, and I think he is probably going to exceed that. So if he's best value at 96, um, I'm hoping for a, a 100 to 102. Stato, so when you're when you're like doing your, as you've said, you've done your little aggregate system where you're sort of aggregating all the different draft rankings. Um, presuming yours also go in there, but do you put any, you don't put any extra weight on your draft rankings and then at the end of it, your No, because my draft is- rankings, are, no, my rankings are just part of the system. So I don't go overweight. So I wasn't the, the highest position on Tom Green. Um, I wasn't the highest position on Tom Mitchell and I wasn't the highest position on the LDU, nor was I the highest position on Jack Steele. So Jack still um, Selby has him at number one. Dado, just uh, just quickly no, no. on that. Sorry, boys. Do you think you know? I know Tom Green's presenting a lot of value, but if he goes from eighty-five to ninety-five or ninety-six, like everything that I've sort of had with success in the past, that tells me that's not enough. Um, and I get we've yep, we've, I agree. we've got a year this year where there's not as many players that are presenting value. Just at this point in time, it can clearly change. Um, but yeah, that. Yep. That would kind of worry me a bit. I just don't think that's going to going to get it done. Yeah, but I, th- I think there's bias on previous scores with him at the moment. So I'm hot on him, and currently what everyone ranks him puts him at the highest value. I'm taking that punt. Yeah, I was going to say something similar to Holmesy. I mean, you, I don't think that he will be a keeper. Um, obviously, that's different to what you've outlined there. And I think that you're going to get more benefit from a Dom Sheed or a, even a James Warpole type. And notice you don't have any mid prices in your midfield there other than Tom Green. And if he's only going to give you between 10 and 15 points, I'm not quite sure about that pick at the moment. Yep. Um, and as I say, we'll roll back to that overall structure once we complete. So it'll sort of make sense to you a bit. 
Uh, all right, moving in, moving into the rucks. Um, now this is almost as confusing as our defensive line. Um, so um, R1 is Rowan Marshall. I think we all uh, agree the, the upside, if he has the key role, is right there. So he's stuck at R1 until he gets injured or plays full forward. Uh, and in R2, I currently have Jared Witts. Uh, and at R3, at the moment, is the holder is Max Heath. Um, the reason is ruck forward. Um, highly likely not to be selected, but there is a bit of a chance with the, the depth at the moment. So he might be one that gets called upon. But again, um, St Kilda being a lot of late games, uh, if I do get a really good VC, then that's the opportunity that I can uh, loop and uh, put the captain on him. That's the ruck line. Uh, thoughts before I go to the value. Wits is pretty unique, mate, and um, I don't mind him as a pick at R two because he's probably one of the guys that I can uh, that I can see in that ruck division that I'm pretty confident is going to land somewhere between what he's priced at and maybe a maybe a ninety five, and even then could be some scope to go past that. And uh, in a line where there's just so many question marks and and so many things up in the air, you you may um, you may be onto something there. It's sort of death by a thousand cuts rather than death by a thousand nineties, you know. So uh, he might he might be the pick at R two until sort of Joe Blow comes out of the blue and and puts his hand up as being that bona fide next ruckman off the rank, assuming that Marshall's number one. Dad, I just have a, a question for you. What do you think the absolute worst case is for Brody Grundy this year? Absolute worst case. Uh, he's down here as 95. Worst okay. case. Worst case or best case? Oh, no, no. I'm just telling you what the, the song right. is. I, I don't know what worst case is because I, I don't understand what they're doing yet. So... The, so the Brody Grundy out, piece for me oh, is to watch and learn. Yeah. So if, yeah, if it comes out in preseason, learn. if it comes out in preseason that, you know, Grundy is getting that sort of, let's call it 50 50 ruck share, let's call it 50 to 60%, um, with, you know, Melbourne being a high scoring fantasy team and Gold Coast not being a high scoring fantasy team. And we, we kind of, you know, agree that, you know, Grundy's probably not going to go worse than his 93. Would you consider flipping over to Grundy instead of Wits, knowing that there's potential upside there, whereas Wits is pretty much what he is? Yeah, it's a really good question. At the moment, I'm really keen to have people that are just playing 100% ruck. Um, uh, to me, the whole Melbourne thing is just a watch, and I'll wait to see what happens. If one of them goes down, trust me, I'm jumping on the other straight away. I mean, that's probably where the death by a thousand nineties thing sort of comes in because there might be a game where Grundy does pump that 105 and then it gets flipped on its head and all of a sudden he's, you know, scraping to a 75 because Gorn's taking that ruck time. So it's, re- it's really hard to get a read on on how they're going to go week to week, which probably makes it hard to, to read into their practice games as well because I think... At the end of the day, uh, their goal is to win games of footy and, um, you know, that's going to be variable and there's going to be a lot of different ways to do that. So it's going to be hard to predict their roles week on and week out. No interest in uh, Darcy Cameron, Stato, given the given the news he's kind of back in full training? Uh, yeah, no, mate. Um, so I'll go through the, the value list. Uh, so the value list, number one, and reasonably quite clear, number one, is Scott Lysette. And that's with him getting 80. Uh, number two is Marshall. Number three is Wits. Then Darcy Cameron. Then Brody Grundy. Then Riley O'Brien. Then Tim English. So um, just looking at, at that data, and I will say the, the three to seven is quite close. So it then becomes uh, matchups and who's one, who's two. I'm fearful, fearful on Cameron because he's had an interrupted preseason, and the fact that he has shown to be sharing with Cox. And what were your opinions on Tim English there, Stato? 
Uh, interrupted now twice. Um, a highest price, hard matchup round one. I'm just going to sit down and wait and see. And just to um, tack on to you mentioning Scott Lysette and uh, something that I realised during the week, uh, which I think the listeners will be interested in, is that since Scotty Lysette's been at Port Adelaide, um, against Brisbane, who he plays in round one, uh, he's averaged 57 across the last four years. And then going back two years, he's actually averaged 45. So it's gotten worse. And that's the sort of player that... If you're selecting, you really need him to go 80, 80, 80, you know, at least to start just to get that ball rolling. But if he drops a, a putrid score round one, then it's a hard all of a sudden you're year. already on the back foot. The break even's going up and all of a sudden your value pick at R2 uh, is literally doing the opposite of what you need it to. You were talking him up an hour ago, Louis. I was, mate, yeah. I was talking him up because he will be the, the ruck one. But um, with that round one matchup, I just think it's uh, it's enough to, to keep me away and, and maybe the listeners. All right. So uh, moving on to the forward line, this one's pretty quick and pretty easy uh, because I've had Taranto in the midfield already. I think you know who my big three are. It's Dunkley, Cogs and Connor. Um, at F4 is Toby McLean. Um, then I've got rookies in the other four position, uh, Philippou, Pedler, Jury, and Long at the moment. They're all holding places until we find out selections. And Cedric as the utility at the moment, being a midfield forward. Uh, I don't know if he's playing. Uh, of course, that position gets filled depending on who gets named. Um, before I go with value, any thoughts on the forward line? No, I like it, mate. Um, they're pretty uh, – I hate saying the word vanilla, but they are this year. In uh, Dunkley, Taranto and uh, Rosie, I think a lot of coaches agree that those guys are going to be the top three and then extrapolating that out to Taranto as well. Um, they're probably going to be the top four forwards. Uh, and McLean there at F4 I think is a pretty popular pick and, and rightfully so. He should be the mid-pricer. Uh, that pops this year. We've seen him do it in the past and uh, him coming in for that final last year. I think there's a lot pointing towards him at least being an 80 guy, which uh, makes him, what, 35 points undervalued off the top of my head, maybe a little bit less, but um, definitely a smash pick. Are you nervous at all about Cogs, Stato? you got Cogs and Green, I see, so I guess you're banking on those two being the primary ball winners at GWS in a team that's, what, developing, are they, or are they... Staying about the bottom four. Oh, they're Richmond, mate. So um, they'll come out far and, and make the top eight easy. Um, yeah, look, practice games are really important. Um, doing the the value is Connor one, Tim two, Cogs three, and Dunks four. Obviously, Dunks is the fourth because uh, of his average and his price from last year. Um, to be honest, I, I love that group. I love the four. They're all going to be playing midfield, which is exactly what you want out of your forward line players, and they're such good value, uh, so I'm pretty comfortable. Um, you want me to throw you the kicker right now? Go on. Uh, in the bank is 620K. So what that does is it gives us the flexibility um, that if you don't get the rookies in the forward line, then you can flip one of the forward lines in a Taranto, um, throw in um, a a Dom Sheed and you've got still um, about 200K in the bank. Uh, If the rookies do land where you are, you can make the decision of getting rid of uh, Constable Uh, and seriously look at one of the big three defenders. Um, So you've got that sort of play uh, at the moment. So you're letting um, the rookies define where your last bit of spend is. And that's why I've got – I love those four. Um, They're better value than what the midfielders and less risk. Um, So I'm happy to actually – put the extra one in there for the time being to find out where I land. So Dom Sheed's not off the radar. I just want to see what West Coast do uh, in that midfield. 
and then let the practice games confirm um, the positions. Otherwise, you've got the other values like a Bontempelli, maybe an Anderson. Um, you'll notice McRae's not in that team. He sits at value number 10. Um, although I will say um, the news that come out that he's spending a bit of time on the half-forward line just gives me a little bit of a, a shake. But again, let's see what happens in the practice games. So, Stato, I suppose what sticks out for me at the moment is um, just looking through your team. and So, you've, I can count eight keepers that you've got at the moment or eight players that you're pretty confident are going to be, you know, top of their lines and yep. someone you're going to keep for the for the rest of the season. And you've been pretty big um, on the record before saying that you like to try and get your 11, 12 keepers in your starting squad. So, have you kind of had a, a rethink about how you like to play the game? Uh, no, I'm just sort of forced into it with the defence. So when you say that, if all three of those defenders end up being, you know, top eight defenders, then I've actually got the number I'm after. But look, you're right. This this year of, um, I think generally most lines have sort of clear answers. The defence and the ruck this year is probably the first time I've looked at it and gone, I don't know. I really don't. So that's why I'm just going back to my research on the value and it gives me greater flexibility to um, um, to pick up. There's something going to pop up in defence that we don't know about and I just want to get in a position where I can sit and wait. I reckon at this stage it could be anywhere between 100 and 200K that I've got sitting in the bank ready to jump for round two or three. And to be fair, with your what you've got left, you've probably got enough change to put on somebody else's head um, to quickly get those sort of keepers up to that sort of 10, 11 mark at a minimum, as well as sort of getting up a, a rookie on your bench that you might be able to use. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think I'm I'm just a, a 20k off of taking Constable up to to Doherty. So. If that's a, a cheaper rookie comes on um, because I've got Weddle at 266 sitting on the bench in defence and there's a couple more like that, um, that I can move and, and go to a, one of the big dogs in defence. I can move to Sheed, um, add Sheed into the midfield. So I've got a fair, fair bit of flexibility at the moment, which I think I need. I think the other thing that kind of sticks out, Stato, is that you've got a lot of basement rookies on the bench too. So I think having that cash there to help with them is going to be going to be handy. But I'm I'm not sure you're going to have all 600k of that to um, be able to get onto someone to get yeah. up to uh, you know what we think is a keeper. I think for me, just just personally, I think you're probably asking a little bit too much out of Tom Green, Davies Uniac, Dacos, and Young all to be the keepers that we need. I think yep. you're going to fall short there. And I think one of those players has to go up to someone that's going to be a little bit more bona fide. Just, just looking at it myself, I think you might be caught in a little bit of no man's land, especially early if a lot of these players don't pop like we need them to. And, you know, you lose some rookies and we say two trades a week, but they do go pretty quickly if um, your team starts to go pear shape. So that's just how I'm kind of looking at it at the moment. But it is interesting, your value theory. And we haven't looked at the game like that as in as much detail as you have. And, and look, at the end of the day, it's why I've got 620 in the bank, isn't it? Because I've made some savings. Now, whether that's where it lands, it ends, they need to be able to convince me. They, they need to confirm their place. And only only showing the right form and the right role um, during this uh, next two, three weeks um, is the important piece. And look, at the end of the day, Stata, you can drop down to a uh, Caleb Daniel 100% mid-time and uh, maybe Correct. a bit of upside there ruck, with the hit-outs. Yep. Correct. Now, Harmy, I just want to get your opinion. I've been, I've been a bit quiet here, you know, just biting my tongue. I'm not a, not a fan of the Stato's team, to be honest. Um, what do you reckon about holding... <laughs> the- <laughs> no Ed Richards. <laughs> what no do Ed you Richards. think about holding 620k in the bank? Haven't seen that used too often around uh, around the traps. Uh, Harmy, you're a fan of this... Um, you know, just he's basically saying to us he doesn't have any faith in his picks that he's got to have 600K in the bank to correct all his stuff ups after round one. I think it's foolish. I'm not doing this at round one. Quite simply, it's foolish. And um, 
an action of somebody that doesn't really know where they're headed at the moment, uh, Dossie boy. So, uh, look, oh, um, oh. so I, I, I retake that advice that Harmy should be in the draft, just just to confirm. No, look, um, I haven't said too much myself either, Dossie, but I think that with the exception of Wits, they are every one of those are players that I have looked at at some point over the course of the preseason too. So some I'm less keen on and some I'm red hot keen on. So, yeah, Wits I haven't really looked at too much and um, Charlie Constable, obviously, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I would need to see it. But, look, Hayden yeah, Young, Hayden Young, I'm still not convinced on myself. I know a lot of people are and that's okay. I just think there's competition down back at um, Frio um, and he's not going to be the main distributor, but... Could be could well be wrong as well, and I just and and the reality is if he goes to a fifty percent kick in guy, um, it's probably nine to twelve points upside already. Yeah, or, or um, he stays at like one percent from last year and he doesn't go forward. Yeah, true. Just one more thing, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll throw this one to you, Louis. I, I do want to revisit just quickly the the mid price kind of. Uh, avoiding any of those kind of 400k i just thought this year for me looking at it we seem to have a a couple of like relatively obvious ones or i mean i've been toying with it myself not going sort of going this statesman route but what do you think let's just revisit that last time obviously not going any of the the mid pricey guys like your warpool um and or or, sorry or a sheed that sort of thing i thought you were the biggest sheed fan by the way stato just quietly but anyway those, um, yeah, that like sort it. of price range presents the greatest risk in terms of the salary spend that you use for the, to take them on in your side. But at the same time, if it comes off, it arguably gives you the most upside to being able to pick these guys that massively outperform their price. So um, it's probably more of a guns and rookies type strategy that Stato's got going on here. Um, that being said, I think the last couple of years, mid prices have sort of... Uh, led the competition winners to sort of winning the Hilux in the end too. But that being said, they are players that you can jump on very early if you can identify. But um, I can't knock someone for not having those 400k players because to be quite frank, the ones that I have in my side priced around there, probably the players that I'm most uncomfortable about. But um, at the same time, I, I'm, I do understand that sometimes you do have to pick these guys and, and just take a punt on the upside that is there. Uh, generally there's a reason for them being priced at that and that's either because they're on the way down or something's affected them um, to a point where they might be back on the way up. Well, I do appreciate you putting your balls on the line, Stato, and and sharing your team with us. It's always uh, interesting to do at this time of year. Subject to change, obviously, still still a little while left before the season starts, but we do appreciate you sharing, sharing your team and hopefully that's helped a lot of the listeners and you know, maybe they'll leave 600k in their bank too for the for the round two upgrades. But um, thanks very much, mate. It's not for the round two. It's for the movement once we know what's going on. There's another primo landing in this team. I just don't know where it is because it'll be where it's needed. I don't believe you. All right. Anyway, thank you very much, Stato. <laughs> and thanks to everyone for joining us on this episode. Harmy, Holmesy, Louie and the Statesman. I'm your boy, Dossie. Thanks for listening to another episode of Pod Pod. We'll see you next week um, where we'll be doing the Listener League draft as well as a few other things. But remember to get your, your Listener League requests in. If Harmy does get a few, maybe he gets a team. We'll see how it goes. Until then, we'll see you next week. Oh,